Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hello, pod people, and welcome to Clash of the Titles, the show where two movies with something in common go head to head to figure out which one did it better. On Monday, Dustin Hoffman got dressed while cross in Tootsie. To put his family back together, Daniel Hillard needed a job. Do you have any special skills? I do voices. But he found a way. I'm placing an ad for a housekeeper. Housekeeper? Could you make me a woman? To have both. Wow. Let's pray. No. You for deny it, don't fire. Papa's got a brand new bed. Meaning today we are meeting Mrs. Doubtfire, but will she win the drag race? You're about to find out in Clash of the Titles. Release the Kraken! Hello, Clash Podders. I'm Chris Tilly. I'm Vicky Crompton. And Alex is absent, meaning we're fending for ourselves this week. But can we handle the pressure, Vicky? Yes. Yeah, we can. And we've actually got a specific reason for picking the film we're doing today, which I didn't mention on Monday because it's more timely today. It's about a dad. And in the UK, it's Father's Day this weekend. Oh, I forgot that was the reason. Oh, that's nice. I saved it up. So what are you doing? Are you taking your dad out? No, no plans. Really? Well, I make mean, some plans now. Oh, well, yeah, we'll improvise. I'm taking Mark Tempin bowling. <laughs> With he's the just, kids? He's just been Tempin bowling. Yeah, he said he was rubbish, so <laughs> I'm making him go again. Get good at it. Like a real man. Was he rubbish? I don't know. He says he wasn't very good. No, quite a fair bit of beer have been sorry this is on Alex Stag do we went bowling of all things <laughs> what I wouldn't have given to be a fly on the wall during that but then got quickly out of there yeah I'll tell you what really happened afterwards brilliant um, did you win I thought you would win you'd remember if you'd won though uh, I I came second who won I did really badly and came second but even if I'd done brilliantly well for me I wouldn't still wouldn't have won the guy who won who's also called Chris Got a massive score. Okay, that's yeah. good. It's good to get properly beaten. Yeah, yeah. Then you fine. can't be cross about no, it. Not yeah. No, not at all. Not at all. You got hammered. That's no, fine. Not at all. So no, I, not at all. So then you got hammered. Yeah, yeah. Got hammered 
while I got hammered. So anyway, this one is for all the dads out there. Um, I'm not going to throw to myself to read a bad review or a good review because I've spoken too much already. Uh, so let's get on with this. On Monday, we met Dustin Hoffwoman. <laughs> Still funny. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I paused. Uh, <laughs> meaning today we're doubting fire. Sure. <laughs> uh, Vicky, take us on a journey. Parenting is hard. You've got to be consistent, reliable, authoritative. None of which Daniel Hillard is until he's dressed up as an old Scottish lady and then he nails it, although he keeps insisting he's English. Being in a relationship is hard. You've got to connect with your partner and support them, none of which Daniel Hillard can do until he's dressed up as an old Scottish lady and then he nails it, asking intimate questions of Miranda rather than chiding her for having a job. The old Scottish lady in question is the lovable Mrs Doubtfire, who reconciles the Hillard family after a nasty separation caused entirely by Daniel Hillard and his snowflake worries about kids taking up smoking. Not like workaholic Miranda, who would probably push crack to babies if that's what her round-the-clock, soulless corporate job as an interior designer demanded of her. Anything to avoid doing all the things women are legally obliged to do, such as cooking and cleaning, and which Daniel could totally do in between a little bit of voiceover work. But he can't until he's dressed as an old Scottish lady, and then he nails it. And gaslights his ex into thinking he was never that bad until he tries to kill Pierce Brosnan, who's also never been to Scotland. What part of England are you from? Scotland. And then the mask slips, literally slips off his face, and the jig is up. But Daniel still finds room in his heart to be cross with Miranda because a judge realises how insane everything is I've just described to you, and that is somehow her fault. Wow. Ta-da! Wow. I'm being mean. You are, because I don't think the film is being mean about Miranda. Oh, I don't know. This, this, no, I mean, it's moved away from, but there's things that Daniel says to her in their first argument, which I think in 1993, 94, you're supposed to go, aha, uh-huh, that's right, Daniel. No, How dare she? No, I don't think so. I don't, no, think I don't know. So. Maybe I was just in a sensitive mood. Yeah, I think, you know, we're hearing what Daniel's saying and knowing that he's in the wrong. Okay. Because he's all he's he not around the clock soulless corporate job. All, all, it seems like a nice job. All he can be is is good cop and portray her as bad cop. Yeah. No, I think I think she I think she puts it pretty succinctly what his issue is. But anyway, we'll get we'll get there. Well, I'm being mean just um, for the giggles. No, it's good. because I saw this at the cinema and I loved it. Mm. And then I have seen it a couple more times since then because I loved it. But I haven't seen it for a few years. Um, and. As, same with Tootsie, like there are some things that have just dated really, really badly, uh, but we'll get there. But obviously, this, you know, the overwhelming love for Robin Williams. I mean, I was super excited to watch this again. What about yourself? Mm. I remember going to see something like Much Ado About Nothing. We were doing a play with the girls' school, so it was all the boys and girls going to the cinema, and oh, this guy. You were doing a play with the girls' school, so you went to the cinema to to see the play? to you no know, on the Saturday night to hang out with each other, get off with each other, and yeah, I remember there was a guy going out with a girl I liked, and they played the trailer for Mrs. Doubtfire, and at the end of it, in the cinema, he shouted out really lo- loudly, "Was the woman Robin Williams then?" <laughs> And I was like, what a prick. Everyone's going to hate him now. Except everyone laughed and afterwards said how funny he was and it made me hate him even more. That's my memory. The pain of your teenage years is too much for me. 
And you remember everything, every I just, slight. I, I don't know why I remember that so distinctly. Because just you were the, hurt. Just the whole cinema laughing. Because when you I, thought, and I'm thinking, that's not funny. Because then you're like, oh, I'm, this is a movie. She's going to turn around and go, why am I with you? Chris, yeah. let's yeah. go. Never and happened. it doesn't happen like no. that. Um, uh, but no, I went and saw this at the cinema as well. I mean, everyone did, didn't they? Yeah, definitely. The everyone whole, I'd ever met. The whole country <laughs> went to yeah. see this. And well, had, it was the second grossest, highest yeah. grossing movie of 93, so it was a big smash. And had a right laugh. Well, I guess it's one of those four quadrant movies where it's yes. men, women and boys and girls. It's yeah. just, it's for everyone. And so, yeah, I mean, I haven't revisited it recently because I'm now a grown-up. <laughs> but... Um, yeah, it was the uh, same as you. I was looking forward to, to both these films this week. It was a nice, easygoing week after the horror of last week. Oh, yeah, of course. You did have a, a tough week. All right, so let's do some a uh, little bit of background about this film. Um, so it's it's based on a book. I did not know that. Um, no, I didn't know that. And even though, so it's by Anne Fine. Um, so it was a book that did better in the UK market than the US. So it wasn't very well known. It's called Alias Madame Doubtfire. Same story, um, more or less. Option by 20th Century she, Fox. Oh, she she um, was shopping in the 1970s in the West End and she went in a store and she was introduced to the store owner mm. and the store owner was called Madame Doubtfire. Really? Yeah, she just made a little note of it and saved it up. Oh, that's, <laughs> that's really excellent. So adapted by uh, Randy Mayhem Singer and then also later Leslie Dixon who did a rewrite, but mm. you know, as these things go. So you've got Chris Columbus's director, which is, and it's not long after Home Alone. So this is obviously a huge big deal. Um, and he does have a lot of power, which was really useful then because um, Randy Mayhem Singer ran into problems with the studio because they wanted the ending to be different. Mm. So they wanted Daniel and Miranda to be together. Um, and she refused and they took her off, which is wild. Um, and, you know, she, she said sort of in, in interviews in later years, um, it would have done a disservice to the intent of the book, which was to help kids cope with divorce, she felt. I agree. And- it would have been a betrayal of that story. It would have given children all over the world false hope well I was thinking it's a really nice um, companion piece if you will although you have to wait a long time for it to E.T. when we were talking about all the kids of divorce and you know Mm. separated families there's just a lot of sadness in that family and it's kind of remedied by the end because the the family feel tighter because of this little alien but the message here at the end of the film is fantastic like if that's something you're going through I couldn't I hadn't remembered the final scene no I I was it blew my mind that that's that's how they ended the movie and I thought it was really inspiring actually it's really really just actually beautiful it's Mm. lovely Mm. Uh, so anyway Robin Williams Chris Columbus like look to the studio put her back on, we, we're going to get that ending and they did, so everything was fine. So we do get the more realistic ending and the, the ending that's true to the book. Mm. The, the only thing the author said when they were making the movie was, um, please don't make the children too bratty. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that's such a British thing to say to an American studio. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they could have been worse. They could have been worse. It's funny, isn't it? They were perfect for me when I was watching this when I was 12 or whatever. Mm. And now, especially Mara Wilson, which is a terrible thing to say, but she's t- a tiny child. And they do, they always do that thing with Mara Wilson where she's got to speak in ways that just seem disingenuous for a child of that age. Mm. And you're watching it now. Like, and it, a, like an alien. Like an alien. Like Miracle on 34th Street is crazy, the things that they make her say. Yeah. And there's a few of that mm. in this and mm. it's just jarring and it's obviously not her fault at all but the older sister's good she's um, really good yeah, yeah. The, boy, the boy's fine he's fine yeah he's yeah little... so i think yeah i, I mean think... he, the boy's got it's again not his fault but there's some dubious choices in terms of his reaction mm. uh to his dad later on <laughs> we'll get there um 
So casting, again, I did not know this. Anne Fine wanted Warren Beatty, but um, that didn't happen. Mm. So and then, all not, not known for his comedy chops. No, and she, she yeah. She I guess he can things. be. Fu- I guess he he can be funny, but like, yeah, this is a full on slapstick role. So yeah, it would be completely different. Yeah. So did you know this about? It was offered to Tim Allen, and it was also going to be the the story of Mrs. Doubtfire was going to be the story of a movie version of Home Improvement. Mm, that's that's that. crazy, isn't it? So it was kind of earmarked for that, for that, and then Tim Allen didn't like it, didn't want to do it, so it's it so doesn't he, become that. I mean, I didn't really watch much Home Improvement, but he. Oh, did. I did. Mm. <laughs> Weirdly, he had Pamela Anderson on briefly. Yeah, and it, it was the neighbour whose face you never saw. Yes, that's all I could really remember. Yeah. Um. But so yeah, so he would have divorced that woman. Is that the idea? Oh, he was cast out for some reason. And but anyway, and also Tim mm. Allen was offered Pierce Brosnan's part, but anyway, none of that happened. None okay. of that happened. Um. So you've got Robin Williams, you know, completely changing the tone. If, well, not the tone, but leaning into the slapstick, shall we say. Mm-hmm. So when they were casting the kids, I, I love this and it is super cute. But it's also weird. So they're casting the kids and they get Robin Williams to wear the Mrs. Doubtfire get up <laughs> to see if they notice. So I just think then, you know, uh, Matthew Lawrence, who plays Chris, you know, said he was a bit more canny because he'd been in the business a few years. So he kind of got what was going on. But Lisa Jacob didn't and just really. Oh, no, but that was it. Believe that it was Chris Compass's mum. <laughs> that is funny. <laughs> that is really funny. Um, so as we said. Blake Lively was was the other little girl. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm just looking up this wishy acting about then. Yeah, is that true? She would. She didn't even start acting until 1998. Isn't she a lot young? Not a lot younger. That's awful. But in Hollywood terms, like quite a lot younger. I don't, I don't know. No, no. She's, about, she's know. about the same age as Mara Wilson. But I, just, I don't know if that's true. But I, I do know following Mara Wilson on Twitter when stuff with Robin Williams has happened or anniversary, she always talks about how they stayed friends for yeah her, all her life, which is lovely. Yeah, Lisa Jacob talked a lot about. Um, he was really honest with her. Robin Williams was really honest with her about anxiety, and she's written. She stepped away from acting, um, but she's written a lot about how to deal with anxiety, and and that she speaks really highly of him. That he was completely open with his challenges around that, and that was really helpful to her as a teenager. Mm. Which is, in some ways, it could be like, is that appropriate to talk to a fourteen? But fourteen, a fourteen-year-old child actor is kind of more mature than. <laughs> yeah. So I think they can handle it. Um, so yeah, we did say it was a huge smash. So uh, Jurassic Park beat it for obvious reasons, but it was the second um, highest grossing movie of the of ninety three. So it's been, but it has been reappraised in recent years through the lens of transphobia. Same for Tootsie. So the central conceit is it is it fun, is a man in a dress funny basically? Mm. Um, is is there is there room for that in today's society? The question being asked because. This this Seattle theatre, this Fifth Ave theatre, we're going to put on a musical, and it's like you can do a musical about anything. Like you don't have to, you know. I understand the intent behind reviving an old property because you're basically guaranteed to make money. But of all the old properties you can revive, is this the one that you should be, you know, putting all your resource into? Does it have tired transphobic tropes? Um, transgender women are not men in dresses, obviously, mm. but. You know, it does does revive in the Mrs. Doubtfire for a musical. It was meant to be 2019, and then because of COVID, I think it was delayed. Um, and then it, it, it happened. I read some reviews of it, and the, the I can't remember. I think it was the Seattle Times did this really interesting piece where they took five critics who identified as trans or non-binary to say, "How do you feel about this?" And all, you know, it was like, "Okay, yeah, it's good, but do we need to go there? You know, do we really need to tell this story?" And this central, you know, this idea that you're making a monster kind of thing mm. is offensive. And reductive, and not necessarily where we want to be in um, in twenty twenty two. But yeah, I mean, let's you know, 
it, 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 is, it is played for laughs, the man in the dress thing. Does that contribute to a feeling that trans people are sneaky and that they lie and things like that? But we'll get into it. We'll get into it. So you ready? Mm. Okay, great. Let's talk about the film. Okay, so we're back talking about the film. <laughs> um, so Robin Williams is Daniel Hillard and he's voicing a cartoon, which is Pudgy Parakeet and Grunge the Cat, if you wanted to know. The minute I saw this scene, all those feelings of nostalgia, that wave of mm. pure love for Robin Williams just washes through you. Um, it's tempting to just be carried along on that wave of nostalgia when you're watching the whole film. And I am applying a more critical eye because it isn't the same film as I thought, not necessarily only for uh, the, the some of the transphobic jokes later on, but actually just some, you know, some of the comedy for me isn't as punchy like a few years later. Mm. But initially, Robin Williams doing funny voices, I could, you know, you could watch that all day. Yeah, but I also believe that this is the period where he destroyed... Um, voices for animated movies because he was so good mm. in Aladdin oh my god so good before then you would match the right voice for the right character and then after then you match the right movie star for the right character yeah and so after that I feel like animated movies although the quality might have got better with a lot of them you didn't the the, the voices didn't disappear into the roles. Mm. You were always aware that this is Dwayne Johnson or Benedict Cumberbatch or whoever yeah. it is. Whereas before Robin Williams, it's because he did too good a job. Yeah. And I think I think it's to the disservice of some really good voice of actors. gifted voice actors. Mm. Yeah. But he's very funny here. I mean, it's weird the references he's making. Like he does a Julia Childs reference. Yeah. And I'm thinking, even in 1993, what kid knows Julia Childs? They don't. I mean, apparently he based the voice of Mrs. Doubtfire partially on Julia Charles and a little mm. bit of Margaret Thatcher so it's just like a bit maybe just I read it Playing as homage. Yeah, yeah. a little in joke yeah yeah and then he does a, he does a Gandhi impression you're like you probably wouldn't do that now no that's not good no. at all Porky Pig fine Gandhi, Gandhi no thanks but we all know this like mm. that's, that's there's no I don't think that's controversial no but then this is was a really interesting scene to watch as a grown up so Daniel quits his job over smoking because the cartoon is kind of pushing smoking and it's brilliant that he takes a stand. But watching this now as a grown-up and also as a mum, you're like, well, okay, you're on thin ice with your wife. We'll find out in a bit. When they start to argue, that's not the first argument we've already had. So him taking a stand over smoking and essentially quitting his job, that confirms his character traits. So he's admirable and he does what he believes. But also he's going to prioritise his own feelings over that of his family in that moment because he needs this job and he walks out on the job over smoking. So it's really like naughty because he's a good guy for doing that. Also, he's a he's a shit father for how, doing that. Uh, based on her office and her their home, how much does he need the job? <laughs> I mean, she's raking it in, isn't she? She is raking I it I think in. she's just the breadwinner. Yeah, yeah, I guess. It's difficult because he goes to pick up the kids from school and the eldest is like, oh, you got fired again. So it's like this mm. this re recurring thing. But yeah, do they, is it, it's just pin money, really. Do they yeah, need that yeah. money? Well, he's like Michael in, in, in Tootsie, except Michael, it's because of his attitude. And I guess I guess the implication is because of his, he's got some morals. But as you say, it's, it's, it's not helping his family, him getting fired. Getting fired. Regularly. So the, big, the, so the big red flag in terms of when you're watching it, when you're older, as in that, oh, actually, Daniel, maybe you are quite, you might be a good guy, but you'd be really super difficult to live with, which I didn't read when I was 12, because who cares? Like, you just want to go on this journey with Robin Williams and wherever he goes, you'll go. It was interesting because I can't remember if I ever thought that Miranda, played by Sally Field, was the villain mm. ever. Now, I definitely don't think she's the villain this time round. But when I was 12, was I like, I can't believe you'd kick him out. He's so much fun. I can't really remember. I but, don't know. But no matter what you thought, I don't think the film is doing that. That's the thing. You the, might have taken it the wrong way. But I think they. I feel like they're very clear here when she just 
sets out what's going on about he makes it see he makes her have to be the heavy he makes her yeah. have to be the one who makes the rules um and 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 you know as i said it's good cop bad cop that's how he's 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 living their family life yeah. and it's not it's not fair on her he doesn't want to ever tell the kids off and he always wants to be yeah mr like fun dad so mm. the minute you hear uh, Liddy, the eldest child, say, "Oh, but uh, to Chris, Mum said you couldn't have a party because you, you'd done something naughty." And then Dad is like, "You're going to have a massive party." Like you, you instantly can pass that as like this is bad mm. because you have to be, you know, rule one of parenting is you both have to do the same and say the same thing. Yeah, you've got to be on the same page. But I mean, it does look like a good party, if I'm honest. It does look like I a mean, good party. Yeah, jump around is still a banger. Um, there's animals pissing everywhere. I mean, it's just a right laugh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, but Miranda doesn't like it. No. So they have a big argument and it, you can tell, you know, it's good writing. It's really good writing. This mm. argument has been coming for a while and they've been together 14 years and, and he's yelling at her, you chose the career. And then you're just like, oh, OK. Um, but, it, you know, it's it, you don't dislike Daniel, but you I, you do. I, you do. You do side with Miranda and you don't dislike her. It's just a really, like you say, it's a really well balanced thing. Mm. And he's really desperate when he's like, oh, but we love each other, don't we? And she's like, not really. Mm. And it's all very sad and the kids can hear it. It's pretty brutal. Mm -hmm. um, it is. It's like, because oh, I didn't laugh that much at the, the animated scene at the start, the voiceover scene. I'm like, wow, this is, there's not a lot of laughs in the first half hour first of Mrs. Doubtfire. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, the voiceover stuff isn't funny. It's just warming. Yeah. But yeah, yeah there's no sort of, compared, it's like the slapstick that comes later. There's none of yeah. that, is there? Yeah, Pretty that's heavy. a really good point. So we got to court uh, about custody of the kids, which for me at this point, I absolutely love where we are in the film in terms of the structure. You put in the clock on that and that he Daniel gets the kids on Saturdays, but he's got two months to get a job, keep it, create a suitable home for children, mm. and then those custody arrangements can be revisited. Love that so much. Yeah. He does not do that. No. Um, which is mad when he wants to get his kids back and he'll do anything, but it's such a grown-up layer. Because if he listens to the judge, you don't have a film, I guess. Um I mean he has got a suitable home, he's just got to put some stuff away. It's not, it's yeah, it's fine. <laughs> it's actually nice. Like I suppose the film can't be like, welcome to this crackdown. It's just it's quite yeah. it's quite spacious. Yeah. I don't know what real estate is like in San Francisco. I imagined hard to come by. Easier then than now. And if you've got a job picking and packing in a warehouse, I think he's done all right. If he could just tidy up, the judge has got nothing to worry about. Um but yeah, the the, the child me is thrilled to bits that he ignores the judge. But the grown-up me is very frustrated by his behaviour. But that's why it's a good film. Because, mm. like you say, the four-quadrant thing. Um, and But you still want to follow him on this journey because of the overpowering tide of charm that is Robin Williams. Mm. Uh, we briefly meet Stu, Pierce Brosnan. He is rich and fit and bang into Miranda. Mm. So her problems are over. I feel like the script is just giving her a little gift there. Just saying, don't worry, on the horizon, once you get through all this shit, Pierce Brosnan. Mm. Perfect. When he flashes that smile at the end of the scene... Whoa. Yeah, yeah, Whoa. Pete Brosnan. <laughs> so, but so it's fierce Brosnan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he's very good in this. I like him in this. Yeah, well. I, I'm a bit up and down on him, but I, this is one Me of his. Too. This is one of his best performances, I think, when because I see it, him it, in it, it, it leans I'm never in, sure. It leans into his personality traits. Yeah. It leans into Bond. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> so. Miranda needs a housekeeper. She didn't need one before. She needs one now. I don't know why, because I think Daniel was meant to be useless, but okay. <laughs> so Daniel has sabotaged the advert. So presumably when she puts the advert, wherever she puts it, she's not going to recognise her own phone number. But let's just move past that. So he rings 
and pretends to be a variety of unsuitable people. Mm. So there's a transphobic joke in there which is not aged well about I don't look after males because I used to be one and Miranda acts with horror. Mm. Um, that's a joke at, the, at, a, at someone's expense there. But the first one where... Uh, Daniel pretends to be a woman that's in a band or something and talking about disciplining the kids. I was killing myself laughing. Mm -hmm, It is fucking hilarious. Don't make me get the hose. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) (laughs) And then he's got someone he phones up who just keeps saying, I am Job. I am Job. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, there's some really funny lines here. I really like it. Uh, But then we get you for Janiah Doubtfire. And so by this point, obviously, Miranda's kind of butted up in terms of she can't get, there's no, she's never going to get a housekeeper. But obviously, this Scottish lady. Mm. They has, explain the name. I, can't, I didn't really, I'd forgotten they do that. Yeah, me too. So they he's, he's looking at a newspaper and he's got to come up with a name and it says, Police Doubt Fire Was Accidental. It makes him seem like a bit of an idiot because <laughs> what was his game plan? Surely he's trying to get the job. And yeah. what's your name? McDonald. Yeah, anything. Mrs. Lady. He's well, like, something Scottish, <laughs> not English. Something Scottish. <laughs> <laughs> but to have not thought of a name is um, it makes him seem ill prepared yeah. <laughs> basically but fine um, it's a nice visual gag so then we're off to see Uncle Frank and Auntie Jack for the makeup montage wow yeah and I am still completely besotted by this Like there is quite a lot of montage and quick cut sections in this film which is possibly one of the reasons I love it so much I just love Harvey Feierstein. Yeah, he's, he's one amazing. Of the mo- he's, an, he's an incredibly fascinating bloke in real life as well. Okay. He's got he's got an incredible life story, you know. Yeah, he's a, he's an inc- he's an incredible figure, uh, but also he's just a bloody funny actor as well. Yeah, and he's so good as I hadn't clocked. I guess when I was a kid, that he's, that's his brother. Yeah, and he's just so funny as. Yeah, as, it's as, brilliant. You, you want him s- as your brother. Yeah, you just want to spend as much time there as possible, um, and they're putting the makeup on. Mm. And we're going to hold the reveal. Of course, we are because we're professionals. I hadn't clocked because th- uh, you know I was a kid. There, there's a good Barbara Streisand gag, yes, there in there, is. which I wouldn't have got when I was a kid. I didn't wasn't a fan, but like he, he does look like Barbara Streisand. He looks exactly like Barbara yeah. Streisand. And then I like the line, "What about Joan Collins? I don't have the strength." <laughs> I don't know what that means, but it's funny. That's the thing. None of it would have made any sense to me. No. I didn't really know who Barbara Streisand is. And the John John Collins was a spring chicken, a mere spring chicken, really. Um, But it didn't matter because you wanted to see... Robin Williams had that thing where you felt like you were his friend and you wanted to see whatever he did. And especially because of Aladdin, which is almost my number one film of all time. So anyway, we've held the reveal. And then there she is, Mrs. Doubtfire meeting the kids. I think the makeup has aged really well. I'd, you don't see it now when you're just like, it looks of its time. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And on meeting the kids, Mrs. Doubtfire is there and does all the things that Daniel should have done when he was with Miranda, I think. I think that's the point, isn't it? So mm. he talks straight to the kids. He makes a brew. <laughs> He's going to fit right in. Yeah, um, he... Yeah, he 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 sets the rules that he wouldn't set before. He's he's bad yeah. cop. Yeah, essentially, and and he does it from. I mean, he walks in there and he's quite respectful to them all. He's, he tells Natalie she looks like Stuart Little. She tells Chris she was a soccer fullback. But then with Lydia, she literally starts reading her the right act. Don't yeah. don't argue with a stranger in front of your mother. Yeah, and then he tells the mum off for verbally <laughs> abusing the father in front of the children. So. Yeah. Um, so she's got this prim way about her, a quite traditional way about her, but she seems, Mrs. Doubtfire as a person, seems you know, someone you could trust, solid, reassuring, sticks to the rules, all the rest of it. Mm. The perfect housekeeper kind of thing. Yeah. Then there's a scene that I do remember being funnier. Um, did, so the, when Mrs. Selner, who's the court liaison, comes around and we've just got this pure farce, you know, 
running in from one room out to the other, doubling up as Daniel and Mrs. Doubtfire, which culminates in that really famous sort of visual where uh, Daniel dunks his head in a cake to hide his face because he hasn't got his Doubtfire get up on. Yeah. Um, and I remember that being hilarious. And then this time it just didn't, I don't know, it just didn't gel. Well, the lines are kind of corny with with her him saying I'm becoming a new man I'm blossoming oh yeah they're uh, awful I keep abreast of two big developments awful but I think the physical comedy works well yeah I, I, I still find it funny when the frost the cake icing cake frosting goes in the cup of tea mm. I used to think that was hilarious and it made me retch a little bit as a grown up oh it's disgusting it's vile it's vile. disgusting the meringue mask horrible it's funny when she put Mrs. Selna puts it on as a face mask but then bleh, I didn't like that but this is where we get the line uh, your sister's English Half English. Um, uh, what is happening? I don't. Un- I mean, what? I don't understand what's happening. You, and you can't have Piers Brosnan lay to say, "I was raised in London." What part of England are you from? It's <laughs> just what Scotland. I mean, Robin Williams knows it's a Scottish accent. Yeah, yeah. He yeah. loves Scotland. He's he went to Scotland all the time. Yeah. I, but I, does is it that? No one in the Midwest yeah. has even heard of Scotland. Maybe. I mean, that's all. <laughs> Which is fine. I get it. I mean, it's a big place. Of course they have. But is this what the studio thought? She's got. We've got to say she's English. I wonder what it was like when we were there. Because you would have been going, what? <laughs> Half in- no, that's not correct. It blew. It blew my head off. It. I found it very funny and also really frustrating. Because when you read, when you you know you read reviews from the time of this film, and it's like Scottish housekeeper, Mrs. Doubt. So all the reviewers were like, she's Scottish, but it is. It is not made mention like no. in, in the reviews. Anyway, in the film rather. So anyway, this is in terms of the emotional beats of the film. I found this a bit of a weird wrinkle. Mrs. Doubtfire is hired, and I thought Daniel as Mrs. Doubtfire wanted to spend time with his kids. Hence the ruse. But the minute he gets in there, he's like, uh, as Mrs. Doubtfire, you guys need to start cleaning. There needs to be some, you know, we need to get this house ship shape. The inference, I think, being that the kids were lazy. But I thought the beats we were on was Daniel was lazy. So Daniel needs, Daniel does eventually start doing all the cooking and cleaning. But Mrs. Doubtfire's first instruction to the kids is you need to, st- this is this like prison rules, like you need to start cleaning. Mm. I found it, I found it quite mean on the kids. Um, it is, but is it because Daniel? I thought I saw it. As Daniel hasn't made the transition yet into being the housekeeper, into being a good person yet. Oh, I see. He hasn't. He's still lazy, irresponsible, Daniel. Yeah, and that the more he time he spends as Mrs. Doubtfire, the more he oh, I see. changes. Okay, I know I could be wrong. I just <clears throat> that's how I read it. I felt sorry for the kids. Kids have gone through a lot. The last thing they need is to be told to clean their house by this bossy Scottish lady. Mm. There we are. English lady. It, sorry, half ex- What was I saying? Um, so Mrs. Doubtfire sets fire to her boobs, making yep. did a classic. Absolutely brilliant. <laughs> First day as a woman and getting hot flashes. Yeah. Um, Never found that line particularly funny, but I remember that was in all the trailers. Yeah. But the visual, the visual of tits on fire. Never not funny. Never not funny. (laughs) Uh, But he does order takeaway. Now, this is 1993. Are you going to talk about the bill? Yes. I I was blown off my chair. What? I was like, in today's money, what is that like? A grand? $140 for four dinners. Yeah. Takeaway. Now, they do qualify by saying they were rushed. So he's paying extra to have them restaurant. Okay. Oh well, maybe, maybe that's it then. It's but I thought it's like thirty thirty five dollars or something a, a meal. When Miranda is putting talking about the advert to Daniel, 
Miranda says, we're going to pay the new housekeeper $300 a week. So I was like, that, that sounds like a lot of money then. Like, that's a good living. Mm. If you can get it, adjusted for inflation, it's, it's millions and millions of pounds. I don't know, but it sounds like a good living. But I was obsessed, same as you. I was like, that is an expensive takeaway. It's half your wages in one takeaway. Mm. I, couldn't get, I couldn't move past it. No. Anyway, so. Agreed. We're moving on to the part where Chris catches, and I say catches because it feels like you're being caught in the act, Mrs. Doubtfire having a wee, standing up with mm. a penis. So all hell breaks loose. This is the thing that for a lot of people, and for me as well, it's just, ugh, this, I'm not comfortable with this, not happy with this. Chris comes tearing out of the bathroom, call the police. And what, what have you seen? What, what have you really seen? What you've seen, what you think might be a trans person having a wee, mm. and you've said, call the police. I don't know where is the audience, we, I can't remember what my reaction was when I was younger, I didn't remember the scene particularly. I don't remember a man being, you know, caught having a wee. But it's it just feels it, it just feels a little bit unnecessary, and that it's not something you would want to update. Sorry, it is something you would want to yeah. update today. I don't know if it's, it's in the musical. It's very panicky, isn't it? Yeah, it's very moral panicky. But yeah, I don't know. I don't think that would have been an unusual. Feels like an unusual scene to have been in the film at, at that the time. time no definitely yeah, not. no 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 um... I just wondered then because it's kind of buttoned by the fact that um, Daniel confesses um, I'm here to see you this is what's going on but then Chris it feels like he's grossed out and he will not touch his dad and I kept reading into that maybe reading too much that Chris is grossed out because his dad is standing in front of him wearing women's clothes mm. and I, I thought that was mean for the character of Chris who loves his dad and wouldn't give a shit what was going on, would just want to embrace his dad. And the, the fact that a man in a dress is so abhorrent, in quote marks, that even your son can't go near you. Mm. And that, that felt, it, it just felt mean on, on Chris. Yeah. Um, but then then again, you, you're sort of dealing with those emotions and then you sort of ricochet from that to some more terrible parenting, which is Daniel saying to the kids, you can't tell your mum, which is really bad. And it's kind of glossed over, but you can't, what about the kids' relationship with their mother when she inevitably finds out the truth and that her own children have lied to her as instructed to do by their dad? Not good. But also you can't give kids that burden. That That's a huge secret. And secrets are meant to be fun and they're not meant to make you feel stressed. And I think that would make any normal kid feel stressed. I was quite surprised the reveal happened to the kids. I'd forgotten that just over an hour into the film. And then the way they act when the big reveal happens at the end, they seem quite shocked. Yeah. And so I did wonder if this was something added in when they'd finished shooting the movie because it also doesn't play into the plot very much of the kids keeping the secret That's from yeah. the mum or keeping the secret from the sister. Or helping out. Yeah, or it, it doesn't like actually change anything no, and, it, and right. it doesn't play into it. So I, I did wonder if they'd felt like um, dad, is, dad is coming off as too um, selfish across this film and so the kids need to know earlier so the betrayal is less at the end and it's only the mum who's feeling betrayed yeah. I don't know I did just it just when I watching their reactions at the end they seem like people who didn't know yeah and they do yeah, so. that's a really good point I think in the, if I'm remembering my extensive research correctly in the book the the elder kids do find out really early mm. and they're in on it they're in on it yeah it's part of the part of the joke no fair enough but we never get that you know they're not having a laugh about the fact that that's their dad no you know, and Chris and won't even look at him. No. <laughs> He's free to bits. You know, I, I would expect... Oh, and no, I'll save it for my change. All right. So then there's a... a is This is... I don't know how I feel about this because it's Robin Williams. It's hard, but... So there's a scene here where Mrs. Doubtfire 
asks Miranda about what her sex life with Daniel was like. Mm. I definitely didn't understand what was going on when I was a youngster. As a grown-up person, it's like, oh no, that that doesn't that's not good at all. She will be legitimately absolutely livid with you when she finds out what's going on. Why are you so insecure that this is your way of finding out? Um, but also it's he, then he does he sort of brings his punishment on himself which is Miranda is completely open and completely honest mm. and is quite brutal without meaning to be because she thinks she's talking to Mrs Doubtfire which is you know he was really funny and then it all just stopped being yeah, funny I think he gets fair comeuppance yeah, when I he finds too. out that she used to cry herself to sleep at night yep uh-huh. and, he, and he looks like he had no idea so and she and she didn't like who she was when she was with him and that's when he has that's when he realises that it's they probably can't get back together, that it is over. Yeah. Um, no, but it is interesting, I think, that the most uncomfortable scene in both films is probably when they're pretending to be someone else and the other person's pouring their heart out to them. Mm. It just seems so unfair and it's it just seems cruel to, yeah. to take advantage of someone's emotions like that. It's a deep betrayal. And it's it's humiliating. Yeah. And I don't know how you'd ever ever get back. I don't know what I don't know how you could apologize for it. Mm. Um so don't do it, Chris, is what I'm saying. Don't do it. Just don't do it. I know you were planning to, just don't. So at the swimming pool, I think uh, I like all the swimming pool stuff. I love um uh, throwing fruit at Stu's head. That made me laugh my head off always. There is another scene here which is just oh, I don't know, like so Daniel as Mrs. Doubtfire is like <laughs> hammering the lager at the bar. That's fine. Mm. And then a pretty girl in a swimsuit or a bikini or something comes up and Mrs. Doubtfire eyes her up, kind of Daniel forgetting or not caring that he's got this makeup on and sort of in terms of where we are as a society at this point, that's maybe unusual, um, but tries to buy the girl a drink. And so I think we're supposed to laugh because we've got this sort of, again, you know, a a troublesome conceit, which a man in a dress is hilarious and a man in a dress acting like a man is even more hilarious. But... Just the idea that Daniel Hillard, son's makeup, would go, that drink's on me, makes me feel uncomfortable. Uh, see, I disagree. I think the issue is, because I think it's fine to offer to buy someone a drink at the bar. Okay. The problem is she's so not age appropriate. Oh, yeah. She's about true. 19. Yeah, if yeah. it was a 40-year-old woman, yeah. I think, who was glam standing at the bar and he smiled at her and offered to buy a drink. Yeah, you're right. I think it would be fine. It's just they put like a freaking teenager in a bikini next yeah. to him and it, and it makes him seem like an absolute sleazebag. It really does. Yeah. And I don't want to think of Robin Williams no. like that. No, I, I, I genuinely just think it was the age. Yeah, okay. Yeah, it was un- it's uncomfortable, isn't it? Um, what we're doing is we're building to this big act two set piece. Which well, is... we should take a break first, oh, it, shouldn't we? Perfect, perfect. <laughs> Let's have a break. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com acast, and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com acast. 
Okay, we're back. Thanks, Chris. Yeah, it's quite a late break, but that's fine. <laughs> I, I wasn't. I wasn't looking. <laughs> really, not obsessively looking. No. Okay. So the big act two set piece, which is dinner at Bridges at seven. So cartoon boss man Robert Prosky um, is basically going to offer Daniel a job because he's good at fucking around with dinosaurs and doing funny voices. And the other sort of the conflicting appointment where we're going to get a lot of farces, it's Miranda's birthday. I do feel that Mrs. Doubtfire could have got out of Miranda's birthday. I didn't quite get why Mrs. Doubtfire absolutely has to be there. I've got an idea to make it better, which we can come to. I just thought Mrs. Doubtfire could have got out of it if she needed to. Just say you're ill. Yeah. I've written it down. Yeah. You don't have to be at that birthday party. <laughs> yeah. And then when you find out it's at the same restaurant as your meeting with Lundy, you definitely don't have to no, be at the birthday that dinner. That is really important. And also that will do... I mean, is it a, is it a moment where... That will do all the things that the judges ask you to do as well. You'll get a really good job. It will be really secure. It will be high paid and all the rest of it. And that is what you should do. But you can't resist playing the fool and all the rest. I mean, it would spoil the film. There's no conclusion if they're not all at the same place. Yeah. But yeah, I I agree with you. It's just too much of a what? Yeah. Why why is he doing this? It defies logic. We're in the restaurant. There's a lot of dashing around and the changing costumes and there's a lot of stress. Good stress, you know, as the audience is just like, oh, when will the ruse be up? Mrs. Doubtfire tries to kill Pierce Brosnan with Mm. KM Pepper. But the bit I want to talk about, because you'll like this, because it's related to the BBFC, one of your favourite topics. Oh, you've got this? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I I, I was going to bring it up. So, Stu gives Miranda a bracelet. And then I think Miranda excuses herself. And there is what I will describe as a barrage of salty language from Mrs. Doubtfire, Mm. suggesting that this is a transactional arrangement, i.e., Jewels for sex. Mm. Something we all understand. What, what are some of the descriptors he uses? Uh, let's see the thing. What do I remember? Rumple foreskin. <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> oh, a going down present. <laughs> yeah. Um, I've got a really good line because the line that I couldn't believe, Mrs. Doubtfire says to Stu in terms of his chances with Miranda, I hope you're up for a little competition. She's got a power tool in the bedroom, mm-hmm. dear. It's her own personal jackhammer. She could break a sidewalk with that thing. She uses it and the lights dim. It's like a prison movie. Amazed she hasn't chipped her teeth. <laughs> <laughs> so I was watching it. I didn't I even like, understand the teeth joke. That teeth joke, I was crying <laughs> laughing. But then I was like... I can't have, that just must have gone so far over my head mm. when I was a child. I have no memory of that whatsoever. I've watched it as a grown up and I would always laugh at the chip in the teeth joke because that's fucking hilarious. Uh, but you might not have seen it. I didn't see it. So the BBFC were not happy about this um, because it's all the stuff about different ratings and it needed to be re rated PG because the BBFC were not cool with this, this particular section. And so it was removed um, for. And then a re-release into the cinemas uh, in the UK in May '94. So yeah, when so I it was it was re- it's mad. It was re-released um, months later with thirty seconds trimmed from it. Thirteen seconds, yeah, yeah, These thirteen seconds. Yeah, it, it's just I don't know. I've not really heard of that happening before. No. So it received the twelve for the sexual references. They yeah. wanted the PG. They reapplied. The BBFC put out a statement, and. It got released with a 12, I think, and then it got re-released with a PG. It did. So I must have seen the re-release. Right. Oh, I definitely saw the 12, but I just, um, again, most of those jokes, all of those, all of those jokes would go over your head as how, actually, no, I was probably old enough to get some of those jokes. I would, no way. I was 15. Oh yeah, mate. Rumpel foreskin's just gross. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, the point is, I guess it is funny, but it's not, 
it's not really necessary and it does take the film into a different place yeah. and Chris Columbus has said there's 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 a, at least an hour of alternate scenes for this movie yeah. and there is an R-rated version of this film I've heard that yeah. they should edit together and release like why not yeah what a fun thing to do. Definitely. Everyone that watched the first time around old enough to watch it now. They will pay money to go and see that. So yeah. if you want to make some guaranteed cash, just do that. Filthy doubtfire. <laughs> um, but yeah, as we said, Daniel is still a dick. And so he's tried to kill Stu. Stu yeah. jokes. He, well, he had a few drinks. So we've all we've all done it. We've all had six whiskeys with Robert Prosky. Um Mrs. Doubtfire saves Stu, but her mask comes off. So it's all over. So Miranda obviously freaks. Um, there's a, The button of that scene is Daniel with Mrs. Doubtfire makeup sort of smeared all over, berating the other diners, like the show's over kind of thing. So I, I guess we're supposed to be with him and say, why are you staring? My family's falling apart. I get all of that. It's like, But it is entirely your fault because mm. you just tried to kill Pierce Brosnan with Kate and Pepper. Yeah, and obviously uh, Stu doesn't know that Daniel's tried to kill him. Yeah. But I, I, Stu just kind of walks off. Yeah. I feel like Stu deserves a moment here yeah. because... For what he's put up with. Yeah, Mrs. Doubtfire has been relentless to him. Yes. You know, you know what, what was that line that I liked? There's a brilliant line, which is probably from a million things, which is he says, oh, you're Mrs. Doubtfire. Miranda's told me so much about you. Oh, she's barely mentioned you. It's like, oh, Mrs. Doubtfire. But it's perfect. When, when Stu tells her that her accent is a little muddled, Mrs. Doubtfire says, so is your tan. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I feel like that's... And I think, is that the last we see of Stu? I think it is. I think it's not it his story. Be. He doesn't pop up unless I've just misremembered. I was expecting him to pop up at the end, which is, we'll get there, but like all families are different. And so now the Hillard family incorporates Stu and everyone is happy. You know, we've mm. got, our family is different and we're happy. Mm. But I don't know if he is. No, they don't bother with that. And that's fine. But I felt like he needed, I just felt like he needed a line here. Yeah. Because although he's the, the, the sort of half villain of the film, He's actually a decent bloke. Like that speech he does when he's at the bar that Mrs. Doubtfire overhears. Oh, lovely. Yeah, you're, lovely. Expe- you're expecting him to actually say, oh, I'm just going to shagger and move on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he doesn't. He, he actually I, cares about them I all. only felt sorry because in the pool scene, he's like, oh, the kids are great. The kids are great. Especially the little one. And you're like, oh, hang on. Like if as a mum, if you heard someone go, I love all your kids, but I really like the little one. You need to go. Like that is that's but that's troubling. What if it's cuter? <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. Everyone likes the little ones because he's like, I've got more of a chance to like mold natty gross. Like them all equally. No, she talks like an alien. That's true. Yeah. Miss Charlotte's web. I want to be Miss Charlotte's web. Is that how Mara Wilson talks? In this film. It must just be such a head fuck. I mean, I know we talk about it because they're like, what is it like to be a child actor? What is going through your head? What is it like to be a child? That's complicated enough. Well, she's not shy in talking about it now, Mara yeah, Wilson. Yeah. yeah, she's very good about, about the, the madness of, of that situation. Of doing all of that. Mm. It's, and the people that you look up to, I just, it's so, it's, it's a lot. So we're back to court. Um, and so Daniel is, Begging for his kids. Mm. Um, but if he'd just done what was asked of him, he could have had him. So <laughs> fuck him. Yeah, he, he misjudges this. I'm addicted to my children. Don't use the word addicted. Poor choice. Of judge. Poor yeah. choice of words. Don't bring that into their head at all. Mm. I love my children very much. I'm wholesomely attached to my children. I'm addicted. What if you've got addiction issues? Yuck, get out. So he would do anything for his kids except get a job, keep it, and create a secure environment. 
And the judge sees right through it. And it is fun. I think it's a brilliantly balanced scene again. Like mm. both these films are really good with the balance. So, you know, this shit is not normal, what Daniel has been up to. That is not normal stuff to do. And the judge is like, I can, you know, I'm, I'm hearing you and I can understand that you love your kids. But really what this is in front of me is a terrific performance by a gifted actor. That is yeah. such a good line. And it's brutal. I mean, he doesn't just have supervised visitations. He's got to have psychological testing for a year. Which is... But yeah. it makes you, it reframes everything, and it, it yeah, it makes you go, oh yeah, actually, or everything I was laughing at. Not that you forget, but yeah, this is really bad what it's he was really, doing. Really, really bad mm. when he was on track. It wasn't like I don't know if this is on purpose, but it's not like in an, you know, another version of this film exists where he's told by the judge in the start, get a job, keep it, create a secure environment, and he does everything he can do to do that, and it doesn't work. So he's desperate. The Miranda comes to him. I need a housekeeper. What else can I do? I cannot, I'm never going to see my kids again and I need the money. Mm. But in this version, he does have a job picking and packing and you that will be enough for a judge. The judge doesn't care what kind of job it is. So he hasn't, it's, it's, it works perfectly for this because it adds another layer to Daniel's character. He hasn't taken this route out of desperation. He's mm. done it because he wanted to. Yeah, and, and it would have been fine if on day one, minute one, when he was alone with the kids, he said, by the way, it's me. Yeah. Um, because by not doing that, I mean, there's serious potential trauma Yes. Especially with it for the youngest child. Yeah. Discovering that, that your nanny is your dad. And he's making, inadvertently, Miranda still be the bad cop because by saying to the kids, don't tell your mum, she's going to find out. She is going to be so cut by the fact that her kids lied to her. She, But you cannot say that to them. Mm. You can't. You can say it in a grown-up way when they're grown-up, but you can't go, fuck me, kids. That really hurt that you didn't tell me stuff. You have to be adult for the kids and say, I understand you had your reasons and you did what you thought was best. But inside you'd be like, oh, really? Mm. <laughs> so, but you can't do that. So, you know, you've got to be not not so much bad cop, but be, be the grown-up in that situation when really what you'd want to do is just have a bit of a cry because you're really hurt, mm. but you can't do that. Oh, that's a lot. Sorry, that, that that feels good. So he's not allowed to see his kids unsupervised. He's got to have psychological testing for a year. Um, let's give him a children's TV show. <laughs> <laughs> I never, never thought of that. <laughs> oh, Robert Brosky's like, yeah. in psychological care for a year. No, no, don't worry about it. It's fine. We'll yeah. get some kids on set. Mrs. I'm... Doubtfire will fix it. <laughs> I'm oh, a little no. bit amazed that... Uh, Robert Prosky's character when Daniel gets his costumes confused and he sits down in front of mm. Lundy as Doubtfire and the only thing that Mrs Doubtfire can think to say is I'm the host of your new show mm. I'd be like oh I want Robin Williams though like I love Rob Mrs Doubtfire uh, me Vicky loves Mrs Doubtfire but I think he wanted a guy do you know what I mean I don't see how Robert Prosky let's have 70 whiskeys he's like oh okay awesome I think it works at the end but I'm surprised that Mrs Doubtfire got the job basically oh Maybe he just told a lie and he's like, Daniel is in care at the moment, is <laughs> in the hospital, but Mrs. Doubtfire's not. So anyway, um, still not much of an act three. It's just an apology, but it is it is big and it's more uh, true, I think, than the apology in Tootsie, which is really one-sided, which is I want something. Well, you got the victim blaming first. Oh, yeah. Where he says you ripped my heart out and blames her. Yeah, not her um, fault. Really not her fault. No, no. But yeah, you're right. He then does does get real. Yeah. And she does too, and they nearly argue again, and then they stop themselves from arguing. She's like, you know, just don't want to argue like this anymore. And he goes along with it, which is quite a grown-up thing to do. Mm. I mean, it's strange to me that they reconcile essentially because of how Mrs. Go uh, sorry, how good Mrs. Doubtfire was for the family. Yes, it brought out the best in all yeah. of them. Without Miranda ever saying, Daniel, if you could have been more like her in real life, we may not be in this situation now. No one says that. Everyone's just like, wasn't Mrs. Doubtfire fun? Let's see if we can move on. 
Mm. Um, but it works. So Daniel's back as the babysitter, which is actually a relief. You know, you don't really want to see a man that upset about losing his kids. It's pretty brutal. And that's not a four quadrant movie. Mm. Um, and I the, thought it was interesting. He waits outside. Yes, respectful. She invites him in. Yeah, I, yeah. Like, I like that. Yeah. I thought, wow, he that just that little moment thing makes me think, oh, he has grown up. He's understood. There's because it. It's the payoff to the moment earlier where Miranda's mum is round and he's snarky about it. He says to her, because he's talking to the kids on the street, thanks for the time, Warden, which is a very funny line, but he's showing that he thinks this is an imposition and now he's sort of fully adjusted to it. Oh, good, All good writing. Good point, yeah. Um, and then we've got that lovely message from mm. Mrs. Doubtfire about different families, which is a real tearjerker, really lovely way to end it. Mm. Just really beautiful. I loved it. Explaining why divorce or separation <laughs> might be the best thing for everyone, which is a brave way to go out. Yes, for a film like this, but it's lovely, and it feel you know it feels to me like this might have been an important speech for children. for kids going through that. That's the thing. It's the same when we were talking about ET. I don't I don't remember it because it didn't hit home for me because I didn't just I just didn't need that at that time. But I would love to know if someone that was going through it, if if Mrs. Doubtfire had a positive impact on their life, like how amazing mm. to feel heard and to feel seen and to feel not alone in that particular predicament without having to articulate it to another 12 year old, which is really difficult to do. Mm. Just lovely. Absolutely lovely. Um, and then that's kind of it. So it won the Oscar for Best Makeup, which is a fun fact, and as it, as it should. And there was a sequel that was being developed and it went on for years and years. Mm, um, I can remember. Read about it all the time. Oh, really? Mrs. Doubtfire sequel. And then... Robin Williams wasn't happy with the script and yeah. it, it all sort of fizzled out. And then obviously with something with Robin Williams, it cannot happen now. I'm, I don't know if it would ever come mm. back to life. There is a musical version, mm. if you want to see that. Mm, no, no, when I was looking it up, I think there's been versions of it in other countries. Oh, okay. There's a French version. Uh, nice. Which I think went back to the original name. Madame Doubtfire. Yeah, obviously. That, oh, that makes perfect sense. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it, you know, it, I, I hadn't thought about it as deeply as as you sort of positioned it at the beginning. And yeah, you know, laughing at someone because they've put a dress on yeah. is something we just, I guess we just wouldn't do now. I mean, I think you can make a joke about anything. Yeah. So maybe you could tell this story. I just think maybe the jokes would be different. Yeah. I mean, the review I read of the play, of the musical... When they're doing the makeup montage, they still they still use the we've created a monster line. So, you know, a trans person in the audience might be like, well, okay, and although Mrs. Doubtfire is not trans, this idea that you've done, you've gone through, you know, you've put these certain things in place and you just keep hearing this word monster, it's like, oh, do we need that? Like mm. we don't you don't need to repeat that line. We can find another way. Because Robin Williams could dress up as an old Scottish man. Yes. And become the nanny and tell the same story. Yeah. And just the jokes would be different. So yeah. it's just pulling out the jokes at the expense. Yeah. Of the act of the of the change. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't think it wouldn't be up for... I don't think it'd be oh, up it for... It sounds like a shit film, but... <laughs> <laughs> it does, yeah. It's and he'd say she was an English... He was an English old man. <laughs> an English old man. Don't let him into your house, obviously. I just think if... if especially if Tootsie and Mrs. Dalva hadn't been revived recently, you know, it, it opens up the conversation. I believe that Tootsie, they did consult with Glad about getting it right mm. and Mrs. Doubtfire didn't, which I think is a huge error. This is This is what I read. Um, but yeah, mm, it's just it's interesting. Just, it's just interesting. I mean, I believe that Glad offered and the P Mrs. Doubtfire people that were now we've got this shit. So don't worry about it. Um, but yeah, there we go. Um, we're done. Let's do the bits. So, what was your best scene? Uh, so it's not one from this viewing. It's from that viewing in the cinema when I was a kid, and it's similar to Tootsie. Actually, it's the it's the restaurant farce at the end. Right. I just remember laughing so much at that in the cinema. I didn't laugh at it that much when I watched it the other day, but that first time I watched it, 
just the timing of the whole thing and his performance and again everyone's reactions around him it really made me laugh so uh, that memory has stayed with me there's a few like moments in this which I just love so much Mrs Doubtfire dancing while she's hoovering for some reason I find that so pleasing mm. I just think she's a great dancer dude looks like a lady yeah this is the problem you, you've, <laughs> got, you've got to swap that out because ha 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 but She's a good dancer. And I could watch her dancing with the Hoover for a lot longer. Um, the reveal of her face, I still love that. I just felt that rush of like, mm. not even nostalgia for me being little because I don't really remember much about the time period, but the nostalgia for the feelings of being so excited to see Robin Williams in a film, always. Um, I, I, it was, that was like a big moment. When I was a child, the, my best scene was Mrs. Doubtfire uh, throwing fruit at Pierce Brosnan's head. I don't know why I found it so funny, but I just found it really funny. Um but now, as a grown-up, it's still a comedy scene. Um, it's just Daniel doing the different voices. We've got to lose that transphobic joke, but doing the different voices to soften Miranda up for Mrs. Doubtfire, I think is amazing. Yeah, it's I love it. Classic, so. classic Robin Williams. Yes, exactly. What is your most valuable whatever? Uh, I thought going into this, I might be picking Pierce Brosnan, but I mean, it would be weird to not pick Robin Williams. I hate going for the boring, obvious one, but... This film is so much him, uh, to the detriment sometimes, because uh, this was an era where his his movies did become a bit too sentimental at points, and I think that happens here a couple of times. But uh, yeah, it's just a it's just a Titanic performance. Well, see, I wanted to pick Miss actual Mrs. Doubtfire, the actual person. Mm -hmm. I do love her, and I would spend a lot of time with her, and I would trust her. And I want to know about Winston. I want to know everything about her. Got um, hit by a Guinness truck because the drink killed <laughs> the him. The drink killed him. It's such a, an old joke. It's such a shit joke. It's an old joke. <laughs> and although I was a bit sniffy about Mrs. Doubtfire getting the gig on the kids' show over Daniel, she nails that shit. I'd watch that dinosaur show. It's yep. brilliant. Yeah. Um, First person ever come, with, come up with entertaining and educating at the same time. No one's ever thought of that. <laughs> Bloody hell. <laughs> you don't talk down to kids. Oh, okay, fine. <laughs> you do, actually. Um, I just think she'd be a great friend and a great grandma. So, But if Mrs. Dalvin is, is not allowed or is too it's similar... It's allowed. Okay, I would I would have picked makeup artist Greg Cannon v. Oh. Neil and Yolanda Tusink because... Yeah, it the, still looks good. It still looks brilliant. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, what would you change? Do you want my change if you've lost one? Um, no, it's one I came up with while we were talking. God, can you remember? And I said, no, I'll save it. No. Um, well, we've talked about this, but I think you need to acknowledge that she's Scottish. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to be difficult about this, but she's Scottish. And it was such a big hit here. I just wonder what, what do people in Scotland think? Like, oh, fuck oh, off. Take, yeah, I bet they were booing. <laughs> I bet he made less money there than here. Because of that? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, um, good. So lean into that. Let's, let's acknowledge. There's also a scene where he uh, lists all the different kinds of families there could be. Yeah. And uh, it's just before, you know, it just wasn't allowed at the time. Yeah, but he yeah. doesn't say some families can have two daddies or two mummies. No. And it's so easy. Yeah. And, it's so, and now it stands out to me that he's listed every permutation you can have apart yeah. from... Same-sex couple. And, and so, especially when his brother's in a same-sex relationship yes! as well. Like, and they could have kids. You know, it's... I yeah, know. it's like... Well, it's just... I mean, it's, it's pure fear. It's yeah. pure fear. And so, um, yeah, I would I would love to have seen that line in there. Yeah, that's nice. Mine is a really basic one. And it got... It's sort of... It happens in Tootsie kind of thing. The dinner at seven that Mrs. Doubtfire has to go to for Miranda's birthday should be because she knows that he's Stu's about to propose. 
and he wants to disrupt the proposal. 100%. Easy. Easy peasy. Because otherwise it's just their birthday and Mrs. Doubtify can get out of that. But to sabotage this proposal makes much more sense. Yeah, it's easy. It gives her a bracelet. Give her a ring. Give her it's a ring. And Stu takes Mrs. Doubtfire into his confidence early and says, Mrs. Doubtfire, what do you think of this ring? Mm. Mrs. Doubtfire says, it's a piece of shit. I wouldn't give it to anyone kind of thing. It's R- so, writes itself. So easily done. Um, That's it. We're done. Uh, I have one more question for you. Go on. For Father's Day, is Daniel Hillard a good dad? No. <laughs> yeah, it's very quick to answer that. <laughs> He's a good laugh. He's not a good dad. See, when I wrote that question, I hadn't seen Mrs. Doubtfire in about 20, maybe 30 years. Yeah. Having just seen it, I realised... Is pretty simple. I think he'll become a good dad yes. now that he's basically the babysitter. Yeah. <laughs> he will learn to be. He's got very, very good intentions, but it is such an adult theme and that's why I really appreciate it being in this film about never wanting to tell the kids off and wanting to, you know, just putting it all on one parent to do and, and not being that united force and yep. how that can erode relationships. Very grown up. Right, let's do the verdict. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers! I want the truth! So, Vicky. Yes. Tootsie or Mrs. Doubtfire, which one are you voting for? All right, let me run you through this. So, uh, I think Tootsie is brilliant with actual jokes. Like, it made me laugh a lot. And all the performances, all of them are good. And the script is super tight. Um, there is too much of a man which seeming to me to say, hey, girls, all you've got to do is speak your mind. Mansplaining. <laughs> yeah, it's really say that easy. Yeah. I found that grating like it, it never occurred to us. I think Mrs. Doubtfire is aged better in that a man dressed as a woman doesn't tell women how to get on in life. Mm. But both films are problematic, that underlying conceit. Um, and you, there's nothing you can do about that. You can't change that. You can't smooth over it. No. We can't talk our way out of that. It is just a problem. Just have to use your brain when you watch it. It's So where it comes down to is like, which white cis man is the most charming or least problematic? And I think Daniel Hillard, despite being a dick, is a very, very lovable dick, a very sad clown kind of thing. Michael Dorsey is really funny and spiky, but he's so entitled. He's such a prick. It's hard to love him. So he gets the redemption at the end. He gets the girl. He gets everything he wants. He gets the big speech. But you're just like, okay, you got what you wanted again, kind of thing. So Mrs. Doubtfire wins based on the fact that Daniel Hillard is more likeable than Michael Dorsey is. Interesting. So, um, as I just said, I hate the sentimental stuff in Mrs. Doubtfire. It makes me feel a little bit sick. And I like that Tootsie doesn't have any sentiment. And it it has a social conscience. Its heart's in the right place. Its intentions are good. And it's fine when it's teaching men a lesson, which I think Tootsie does. It's there to teach men a lesson. But when it's teaching women a lesson, I agree with you, it's less good. Um, (laughs) And, you know, the Dabney Coleman movie that did sexism in the workplace better was Nine to Five. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) As the women stand up for themselves in that film (laughs) rather than having a cross-dressing mandate for them. And that was two years before this. Yeah. and it always made me feel slightly uncomfortable in a way that Doubtfire hasn't. And I think that's because I prefer a guy fooling his kids and wife because he loves them more than a guy fooling a bunch of women for money <laughs> and then trying to shag them. <laughs> so for those personal reasons, which is actually the same as your reason, yeah, it ultimately, is. it's just worded differently. Yeah. Uh, I'm going for Mrs. Doubtfire as well. Hooray! So the winner is Mrs. Doubtfire this week. Yeah. Um, Alex did uh, message us. Thankfully, it's not going to be of any use or, or needed <laughs> because what he wrote was uh, can't really help with the vote today never seen Tootsie so by default I'm voting Doubtfire uh, that would have been a rubbish way to end so <laughs> someone's on holiday thankfully we've uh, <laughs> we've all voted for Mrs Doubtfire um, right now it's time to turn to next week Alex's clue on Monday was 
You can run, but you can't hide. Can't. Do you know why he's doing that? For Emmanuel Kant. No. Right. Don't worry. <laughs> I just went on a bit of a philosophy angle there. Sure. But I tell you what, we'll pick that up next week. Replicant. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> Mine's better. <laughs> Make next week's quiz about philosophy. Uh, so the films we'll be discussing next week are Blade Runner, the final cut, versus Blade Runner 2049. Though we will be discussing all versions of the 1982 film. So if you're watching the theatrical cut or the director's cut or the final cut, we will have you covered. You like them, Vicky? Yes. Good. I like them too. I think they're a great oh. pairing. Hello, Alex. <laughs> Hello, Alex. You've been you quiet. Think? What did you think of the show? <laughs> Loved it. 10 that out of 10. Great. 10 out of 10. Yeah, the right film won. Awesome. <laughs> Thanks a lot. Uh, and that really is your lot. So as ever, you can socialise with us on Twitter and Instagram at ClashPod. Having fun. Well, if you want to make Vicky laugh like that, uh, give us a like or a follow or a review or better still, send a show link to someone you don't like and see what happens. And that really is your lot. Thanks for listening. And we'll be back on Monday with Blade Runner, the final cut. Bye-bye. <laughs> I knew you were going to do that. This was a Stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network. Can't bear not being the centre of attention. <laughs> it's funny. People, it will, it, it's it's an Andy Kaufman kind of thing. Mm. It's, sure, okay. Yeah, you are so much like <laughs> Yeah, him. I was going to say, there is equivalency, 100%. No, no, you're just messing with the norm. It's fine.